Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. But, uh, you know, just like just like garden anywhere, it's, it's a constant experiment and you, you learn and you try to take some notes and then be able to find your notes the next year so you can you know, not make the same mistake a second time, which uh, I'm not very good at doing is like always I'm always you know, trying to say, all right, yeah, by Valentine's Day, I need to plant my tomatoes. And usually it's about the, the second or third of March that I'm planting them. And then they're always, you know, a couple of weeks from being ready before uh, before it gets too hot in the summertime. So it's. That's from my interview number 162 with Denny Cray, which is a great listen. He talks all about vermiculture. Hey, everyone. So I just want to remind you that this is the most important time to be taking good notes on what's working well, what's not working well, what don't you want to forget come next February and March when it's time to order supplies or do your design you know, what are your favorite seeds or what do you want to plant more of? Do you want more broccoli? Like you might think I am never going to forget this, but you probably are going to forget it. And um, a great way to support the Green Organic Gardener podcast um, would be to get our garden journal. That's got a beautiful butterfly that I took a picture of on our lilac. So it's like a little part of our home and your home. It's got blank pages and line pages and um, it would really support us a lot. Um, so, but most of all, we want you to have good records. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden Podcast today. It is Friday, July 24th, 2020, and I have a guest. I know you are going to love her. You are going to learn things that I have never had any idea. Um, she's written the most beautiful book. So if you get it, make sure you go to Amazon and leave it a five-star review or a review, uh, you know, anyway. Um, because it is just, it is so informative and it's so powerful and it's about flowers and I love it. And she has a podcast. So you're going to love that. Um, so from the flower lounge podcast and author of flower revolution here today is Katie has to dazzle us and just share, um, she's going to drop tons of golden seeds. So welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to be here, Jackie. Oh, I'm just, I'm just touched. I could not believe it when I opened the package that you sent me and this amazing full color hardcover book all about flowers and all sorts of things. I had no idea about flowers and just like listening to your podcast and learning about all the places you've studied and all the things that you've done. Um, it's just amazing. So go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, it's funny, because when I was a kid, I, I, you know, enjoyed nature and played in my mom's gardens, but I had never thought that I would actually work later in life in some sort of profession, some capacity around flowers. So I feel really lucky. I it started out, let's see, I studied sociology. So I was just like in love with people. And uh, when I graduated college, I was searching for how would I help people reach their full potential? And I started studying natural remedies and I learned that, uh, well, I ran into a teacher, an expert in flower essences from Madrid, Spain. And I just sort of fell in love because, I mean, I love all things plant medicine, like herbs and tinctures and teas and essential oils. But this was like a whole new concept for me. Um, and he was teaching about how every flower on the planet has a really specific, you know, thing that it does, like action that it does for our emotional, mental states. And that... Um, you know, the thing, Jackie, that he said that really got me was he said, if, if 3% of the world's population were actively 
taking these flower essences, it would create so much positivity through the ripple effect that it would change the outcome of the future. And you could, you could probably argue the same with gardening. If we had a higher percentage of people in the world doing gardening, that we would have a happier planet. And um, the same is true with flower remedies. So I just, I got super intrigued. And then when I came back to the US, I realized that nobody really knew what they were. This is 20 years ago. So it's like <laughs> meditation wasn't cool yet. And, um, and so, you know, it's been a long road. I've been in business for 20 years working with flowers. The first decade I spent working with people one-on-one -on -one, and we'd look at like what was happening in their life, where they wanted to be, what wasn't working. And then I would work with them, you know, give them customized flower remedies. The second 10 years, I taught myself how to be an entrepreneur and how to take this sort of wild and weird concept of the life force of flowers and how they make you feel, how to bottle it, market it, you know, be able to tell the story and, and connect the dots for people. So that's been um, the last 10 years, building a team, expanding around the world. Well, I know we are going to learn a ton today. So I always kind of start my show asking about people's first like experience in the garden, but do you want to talk to us about like your first experience with nature and foraging and collecting flowers? Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when I was, I actually, I owe it all to my mom. Uh, if, if any of your listeners have kids and you're gardening or kids or grandkids, I would commend you. You're doing a tremendous service to the world because that's really where I learned to really appreciate nature was um, in my mom's garden. So when I was really little, we lived in Minneapolis and she had just like, oh my God, you know, fuchsia and water hyacinths and water gardens and peonies and lily of the valley. And we had a big pine tree and I'd climb up the pine tree and get all sticky and sappy. And uh, she had gardens all throughout, you know, me growing up. And that really taught me to appreciate growing things and the beauty of flowers. And she was also a forester. So she would take me on walks and she would start, you know, at a very young age, showing me how to identify things. Like I remember her showing me wintergreen leaf. We'd break one off and open it up and you'd be like, I was just like in this cloud of wintergreen smell, you know, as a kid, it's just like, wow, this leaf looks like a little nothing and that it's so amazing. Um, so she really also taught me the beauty of, you know, being in the wild and looking at lady slippers and um, collecting morel mushrooms and wild blueberries. And um, I think it, it, you know, as an only child, the trees and the flowers in the forest were really like my best friends. And um, that's really where it all started. <laughs> Oh, I love all of that. And just like, I know the memories of being with your parents and going on those nature walks and going with your family and being, um, seeing all those flowers. Like I still remember climbing my favorite tree. I was even looking at our apple tree yesterday and thinking about climbing. We had a dogwood tree that I would just do flip after flip after flip between these two branches of, <laughs> and the other thing I was going to say that like what you were saying about gardeners, what you're doing is, um, you know, a really honorable thing with your kids and grandkids is that I haven't said this in a while, but I used to say it a lot at the beginning of the show. Like if your kids, especially if they're teenagers 
are showing some kind of like resistance, just like the best thing you can do is just keep sharing your passion. Don't push anything on them. And you will be surprised at how much time they end up spending in the garden as an adult because of that. Like I've talked to so many people who are like, I hated gardening when I was a kid. I'm totally like my mom is still like, how do you have a gardening show? And in the meantime, this summer, I planted my <laughs> very first broccoli seedlings and they're growing they're like just popping out of the dirt and one of them's like almost a half inch tall because I just planted them on like I think the 17th and just um it's just so cool like I never thought I would ever plant a broccoli now we'll see do I really get broccoli out of them come you know they'll probably be ready October my husband's like I don't understand why you're planting broccoli seeds now he's like you should have done that two months ago but we're harvesting all the broccoli that we planted. Like it's, it's pretty much done. There's no broccoli growing after like, I need to get down there. Mike's like, you got to pick that broccoli and get it in the freezer. Anyway. Um, I think that's a good point, Jackie, that, that a lot of it comes through food because I remember, you know, picking fresh beans off the vines and picking fresh raspberries out of my mom's garden. And there's something about, there's like a real connect, I think, for kids around food. You know, there's the, of course, there's the beauty of flowers, but like, how cool is that, that you can go out there, pick your broccoli, saute it at night, eat it, and you didn't have to go to the store. Like, there's a real sense of empowerment around, wow, like you grew that, you cooked that, you know? I think that, that that's a real connect for kids on a level that they might not be able to understand when they're younger, but they know where food comes from, right? You know, like you hear about kids in the inner city who just like see the, the, the fruits and stuff on the shelf and don't really know where it came from. So yeah, gardening is, is a really powerful teaching tool just by showing by example. And two quick things I'm going to say about that. One of the amazing things is how much the bees are loving the flowers on the couple of broccolis that have gone to flower. Like they are just totally <laughs> out there. And then the other thing I was going to say is we're going to learn a ton about flowers. So if you don't want to grow vegetables, because that is a whole nother learning curve, I bet by the end of the show, you are going to be inspired to have some beautiful flowers growing in your garden or your oasis or your landscape. Um, because I had no idea, like one of the stories I love is the one about the FBI agent who studied polygraphs and then he goes and, um, and then what he like attaches the plant to the polygraph and like the plant shows, um, like even when somebody goes on vacation, like they can tell what's going on. Like they're showing on this polygraph thing. Like that was just amazing to me. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It's, um, it's a study that showed, I mean, through his work that he's a CIA agent. He was like so good at polygraph that he was teaching people how to use it. And he just got curious one night, you know, I could just imagine the guy sitting in his office looking at his philodendron plants, like, Hmm, what, what's going to happen if I connect this to the plant? <laughs> and, and like you said, yeah, he found that we're so in tune or rather the plants are so in tune with us, their caretakers. You know, I don't know who takes care of who better, it's a symbiotic relationship, but they're aware of our stress levels. So, you know, people would go on vacation and the polygraph would register when that human being had stress, even though they were, you know, hundreds of miles apart. They also showed that plants could identify essentially the murder in the room, you know, that uh, they had this experiment where someone came through and harmed a plant and then um, 
you know, they had several people walk through the room and all the plants were able to register on the machine when the, you know, the perpetrator came through the room. So I think there's, you know, studies like that are, are fun and funny and show us that there's a whole level of intelligence that we can tap into that might not be apparent, you know, because they're just operating at a different pace than we are. <laughs> you know, when you mentioned bees, one thing that came to mind with bees is that of the latest research coming out of the UK, there's a study particularly coming out of the University of Bristol where they show that bees actually aren't attracted to flowers based on color or scent like we had thought, and that there actually is this very subtle electrical vibration that's being emitted from the flowers. And so the bees and the flowers are actually communicating. The little hairs on the bees' legs are picking up these electrical impulses, and they're actually having this dynamic communication together about pollination, you know, I've been pollinated or I'm ready, um, or whatever other things they communicate about. And just because we don't feel those electrical impulses on the hairs on our legs, you know, doesn't mean that they're, they're not happening. And so how crazy is it to think when you look at your garden, if you could see what the bees see or feel what the bees feel, it's almost like the movie Avatar, you know, it's That's like, what I, I call it floral Wi-Fi. Like every flower is emitting this really gentle, soft, essentially song, right? Every flower has got a different song. And so when you're, when you're gardening or spending time in nature, you're essentially bathing yourself in the music of nature, even though we can't hear it. And they've done those studies in, in medical schools in, in Tokyo showing tremendous benefits of forest bathing, which you can apply to gardening. So if anybody ever gives you trouble for spending too much time gardening, um, you just think back to the studies in Japan. They show that uh, forest bathing. So essentially, you know, you could translate that to being in your garden, reduces cortisol levels, uh, adrenaline, you know, so your stress is dramatically reduced and it increases white blood cells, meaning that it boosts your immune system. But the coolest thing is that there's actually an exponential power to it. So they found that if you spend one day in the forest, AKA one day in your garden, um, those elevated wellness effects last in your body for a week. And if you do it for a weekend, it lasts in your body for a month. So we're talking about, you know, real health benefits. Your garden is your insurance policy, essentially. And I think also we're going to talk a little bit about foraging today too, but that's so true. My friend Daisy has this blog called um, Simply Josephine, and she does a lot of um, you know, she makes like natural medicines and salves and tinctures and um, different things. And she's always collecting and she's like the healthiest person I know. I mean, she's just like the epitome of the organic life. Just, um... but anyway, uh, well, do you want to tell us about your experience with gardening? Yeah, I mean, gardening, let's see. I, I usually tell people that I did not somehow didn't inherit my mom's green thumbs and fingers. And that might be true, or it may be that uh, I just haven't had enough practice, but I have a much more fiery personality. She is much more earthy and I watch her with plants and she can, you know, pinch them and prod them and pluck and, and they just like, 
go crazy in her presence. You know, they just bloom and expand and grow. And she has that thing. My quality is more fiery. I had a teacher tell me once that, you know, don't touch my plants. You're burning them. Um, so typically fiery people are better at making medicines. And so that's more sort of my realm of expertise. I have grown some flowers that we made essences out of, uh, really cool stuff like running iris. Um, I grew an avocado tree once. Um, <laughs> my gardening's kind of like by mistake. Um, but you know, right now I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and the ground is like concrete. It's so hard. Um, so I spend more time uh, going out into the wild to look for unique and different flowers and make remedies from them so that people can bring nature into their daily lives. Um, and maybe later in my life when I'm uh, in a more lush place, I'll actually develop some gardening skills. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, since I started my podcast, I've gone from brown thumb to green thumb so but there's no hurry and you're I love hearing your like little adventures of going into the woods and doing this and doing that and picking that on your podcast so why don't you share some of that with listeners like where do you collect your flower like how do you know where to go and and especially you know living in a place like that um where the soil is really hard to grow grow in maybe listeners will be interested to know that they can go collect flowers or things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it started, you know, I started first collecting with whatever flowers I saw around here in this region and then California, and then it expanded to the rest of the United States. And then I started traveling around the world uh, because I thought, you know, every environment has something unique to teach. And the more I travel and the more I experience different environments and sort of like, floral or botanical landscapes every place has something different to teach and this isn't to say that you have to travel I don't believe that I believe that some of the most powerful and needed remedies are just right there in your backyard and oftentimes you'll even see you know by the power of miracle you know seeds just landing in your yard uh, wildflowers just pop up in your backyard and I always see that as a gift and typically whatever pops up that you didn't expect is exactly what you need. And it's like mother nature put it there for a purpose to support you. But in traveling, I've seen that, you know, for example, places like Southeast Asia, the, the botanical landscape really lends itself to remedies that support us in abundance mentality. I mean, you know, you plants there will just like, if left untamed, they just like swallow buildings, right? And so it's, it's this sort of making things happen and action and abundance. Whereas places like uh, Iceland, where, you know, they say if you get lost in Iceland, just stand up because there aren't any trees. <laughs> but there are wild orchids. That's like one of the places I want to go in my lifetime. I want to go cross-country ski in Iceland. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it's, it's an exquisite place. And the flowers and the orchids there seem to all be about curiosity and wonder and waking up this kind of childlike perspective of the world. Um, so, you know, different regions can teach you different things about yourself or reflect different aspects of you back to yourself. 
lately, you know, I've been kind of stuck. I was supposed to go to Asia this summer, but because of everything going on, um, I've been staying in Arizona and that's actually given me an opportunity to take a look around Arizona and see some of the interesting things growing here. Uh, about a month ago, we went up to outside of Flagstaff and drove way up into the Aspens and the Pines above about 8,500 feet. And there is this unbelievable forest orchid up there. You know, it's like one of those things that if you're you're not looking, you don't see it. And then once you see one, they're everywhere. And it's this kind of bright yellow and red orchid just uh, popping right up from the ground. It's not a, it's not an air orchid. It's a, a, like a terrestrial orchid coming out of the ground. And that was so beautiful and fascinating to see. It's nice to, to look around locally and see what unique things are here too. And it felt like perfect timing because that particular flower has the ability to help us be more open-minded and not feel like we need to change people's minds. Um, you know, with so many different things going on, we often feel like uh, we just want to like help people see what we see. And that particular orchid just helps us accept and love people as they are without feeling like we need to change their minds or help them see or, you know, save, save them in some way, which we can probably all relate to with somebody in our family. <laughs> my mom, if she's listening, she's probably like, yeah, could you save my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> ah, my family, you know, I'm the lost black sheep. So anyway, um, but you don't sound lost to me. I don't mean I'm like, I sit in my garden every night and I'm just so thankful. And so like, how, how lucky am I? It's so beautiful. And so I was like doing like the little journal thing last night about, um, you know, just wander around your garden and see what flower picks out to you. And it was so interesting because I thought it was probably the broccoli flower, those little flowers that the bees, like that was what I kind of decided on after I sat there for a while and kind of meditated on it and was like sitting there thinking about all the different flowers growing. And definitely last night I felt like this kinship to those little yellow broccoli flowers that the bees were all just hovering around. And, um, you know, normally I wouldn't even really think about that, but uh i'm curious about like so you sent me some flower essences and like i to be honest with you i don't which is funny because i showed her my stepdaughter and she's totally she's the first one that taught me about bach remedies and she was like oh my gosh i'm ordering the truth teller right now and just she she was just, <laughs> she loves it and knows a lot about it but i still am not sure like what to do with these remedies so or with these essences that you sent so do you want to tell us like what are flowers flower essences and how do they work and what's the science behind it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so if we just look at historical context, context and we just dial it back, these things have been around forever. You know, we just we just didn't necessarily grow up with them. Um, if you look at Aborigines in Australia, they were drinking the dew drops off the tops of bush lollies. If you look at the yogis and yoginis in the Himalayas, they would do these long fasting retreats by themselves in caves, and they would eat this substance called chulen, which is essentially the concentrated life force of plants, flowers, and gemstones. If you look at Central America, they have a practice called spiritual bathing, where, you know, whether it's midwives or medicine women in the community would identify certain like major transformational points in your life, whether it be birth or something else, 
and you would pick out the flowers you're most drawn to and you'd soak them in water in the sunlight and then eventually dump them over your head. And then we see in Europe, 14th, 15th, 16th century, alchemists and doctors beginning to prescribe their patients to go out into the wild and drink the dewdrops from off the tops of specific flowers. And then uh, in the 30s, that's when we see Edward Bach come into the picture. And he was fantastic because he figured out a way to scale it, right? Because to go out every morning and drink the dewdrops is super romantic. But like if you live in the desert like I do, we don't even have dew. <laughs> um, so Edward Bach was a doctor first. He was a, a, you know, just a regular MD. And he got discouraged about something about uh, allopathic medicine. He felt like it was limited in some way. So then he went to study homeopathic medicine. And then he got disillusioned with that and felt like there were too many limitations. And then he just turned to his garden in his backyard. And he ended up developing the first 40 flower remedies, essentially uh, finding a way to collect the life force essence from flowers and bottle them up, essentially. Why the flower? Because that's where most of the energy is in a plant, is in their reproductive system. Uh, if it's a tree, you can work with like baby shoots, um, but typically flowers are what are used. And it's done through a process called solar infusion. It's a really simple process with sunlight and water. Sunlight is the catalyst that uh, sort of like drives the energy or the life force or chi, whatever you want to call it, the healing qualities of the flower into the water. The water acts somewhat like a recording device. It's kind of like, you know, the rainbowy material on a CD or DVD or like the magnetic tape on a cassette on a cassette tape. Um, it can store information and water stores information. And then you add alcohol, which preserves it over time. And essentially that's like putting a flower, a bouquet, a garden in a bottle. Um, and then, you know, how does that actually work? Well, when you take it internally or you put it, you know, around you or on your skin, it starts to harmonize your own body's energies. If you look at something like acupuncture, right? For over 3,000 years, some, some people say actually five or 6,000 years in, in, uh, in the Far East, they were putting needles in specific points on your body to eliminate stagnancies and open up energy flow. So it's like the meridian system are like real ways or roadways in your body. And so flower essences are like, essentially kind of like acupuncture without the needles. You can harmonize your body's energy. That becomes out of whack, you know, and for many reasons, like we live in this modern life that maybe in the past people could get by with drinking dewdrops because they didn't need it as often. But now, you know, we're mostly indoors uh, unless, you know, you're gardening people are mostly indoors, um, on computers, cell phones. There's all this, you know, EMF static in space that we can't see. We don't eat at the right times. You know, there are so many different reasons why we have static. And so flower essences help essentially just bring us back to our natural balance. It's really just taking out the interference. You know, if you think about if that sounds weird to some people, I usually say, take a look at your cell phone. How on earth does that thing work? 
You know, like if you really think about it, it's kind of mind blowing. Like you can. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, you can send messages, you can send images, video. You can, you know, if somebody would have told you, Jackie, that you know what, as a kid, you are going to carry around this right. box in your pocket. It's going to have invisible waves, and you're going to be able to talk to somebody in Japan within the matter of thirty seconds if you want. Right. It's like Captain Kirk's communicator. We have. <laughs> So, I, I mean, we don't question our cell phones and if they work, because we just know they work. But when you look at Mother Nature, you know, the Earth has been around for billions of years. And most often what we see is that Mother Nature has the technology before we humans figure it out. So just because we can't see this energy that is being emitted from nature doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I think that most of your listeners would agree, you know, we feel different when we're in nature. And so flower essences are a way to bottle up the, that nice, peaceful, joyful feeling that we get and bring it into our daily lives because, because of that fact, right? That so many people are living indoors and stressed and it's a really nice support. Or even I'm thinking about like, you know, I'm picturing my desk at school and like this teacher this year gave me this dried lavender and how many times I crushed those little lavender things during the school day, like during certain stressful things or just, it was just so nice to have that essence. And like, so, you know, I'm getting to spend all this time in my garden right now because it's July, but come, you know, November and January, mm-hmm. like it's also a way during time, maybe in Arizona, it's a little different, but here in Montana and lots of parts of the United states or the world right you know you can only be in the garden during the summer months so i think it also you know enables you to have it during that period of time absolutely i know we send we have a remedy called joy juice and it's it's like sunshine in a bottle and makes people laugh and cheers them up and we have um several customers in oh what is that called bainbridge island it's the island off the coast of um seattle washington and they say you know it just it rains and is so gray and dreary during the winter that it's it's a nice way to bring in that kind of summery sunshiny happy feeling into into the winter months for sure yeah or even you could be in the middle of summer and have a job that like requires you to go sit in an air-conditioned gray room all the time even though it is beautiful out so it would help it like for situations like that or just yeah we usually have about montana winters are tough that way where just you won't see the sun and it's always cloudy and just um can be very draining and so it's almost like opening that can of you know pickled beets but this is the flowers and like i so want to be like if i ever am a farmer of any sort i'm definitely going to be a flower farmer (laughs) and not a vegetable farmer like i just love flower. like i brought this lady a bouquet of flowers this morning it was just so neat to go out there and cut this like it was my last iris but it was this beautiful like mike ordered these iris bulbs from holland um, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. And they're just so incredible. And then I put a tiger lily with it and then just like some daisies and some oregano and some tarragon just to have like some greens. And it just felt so nice to be able to bring this woman this pretty little burst of flowers and just uh, 
I, I mean, I just love flowers so much and I can't believe how much I have learned in just two weeks from studying your book and listening to your podcast. Like that I had no idea um, existed from the world of flowers. Yeah, you can get a good sense of, you know, what healing qualities you may be seeking out by what you put in your garden. So, um, you know, like if folks out there are curious it's very simple to figure out like if you if you choose something from your garden you can literally just say like okay how does that make me feel in three words when i look at it like what what do i feel or what kind of personality does that flower have so like if i were to ask you um for example if you bring that iris to mind how would you describe its personality or the way that it makes you feel in three words Ooh, in three words. Um, well, when I think of that iris, I mean, it's just, it's so delicate. Um, I think of it being like a survivor because the irises I planted a lot of because they do really well in our really dry Montana climate. They come up in the beginning of spring. So when they say delicate, like intricate in a way, I guess, because it's like, it's like this light blue, but when you look at it really close, it's got all these veins and really pretty colors together. Mm -hmm. So intricate, survivor, um, and delicate, I guess. Yeah, those would be my three. Yeah, so you could say that most likely in terms of like healing qualities, I mean, beauty is is a whole other um, discussion, but in terms of healing qualities, if you were spending time around your irises, most likely they would be reflecting back to you your innate qualities or like enhancing, magnifying a sense of delicateness, um, intricate or com- complexity to you, and then your ability to survive and your ability to be a survivor. So the iris would be like reflecting your own qualities back to you. Does that make sense? That's what you would be personally getting from your iris flowers. Hmm, That's so interesting. The other one, so what I'm curious about is like the oregano because like I've been, I've gone through these stages where I'm like, I have to get this oregano out of here. And now I'm like more into (laughs) embracing it and letting the bees like, because the bees love the purple oregano flowers. It is like overcropping and I kind of have to tame it. (laughs) But also like, I just, I'm like, I am going to figure out how to embrace this oregano and like really, and then I feel like, you know, I have an attachment to oregano because I'm an Italian and I put oregano in every, you know, almost everything that I cook. I'm just curious what you think about that. Okay, so then let me ask you a question. Do you feel like sometimes you have a tendency to go overboard? Oh, totally. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, the purple oregano flower could be helping you love those aspects of yourself. You know, there might be times where you're like, oh, God, why did I do all that? Or why did I go overboard? Or, man, I'm just so too much. Um, so the purple oregano flower would be helping reflect back to you the beauty of that and just being more self-compassionate, accepting and loving of that aspect of you. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That's so interesting. 
Yes, people definitely tell me I'm too much sometimes. And the other thing, like I've been thinking about a lot this morning, like there's like in the entrepreneurial world where they're always like, you know, ask people, what are three things that they would describe you? And so I did this a couple of years ago and I was so shocked because I thought everybody was going to be like, oh, you're a techie. Oh, you're a techie. You're a techie. And they didn't. They all like almost, and people from like people I work with today, people I went to high school with, like this diverse group of people all said I was extremely compassionate. And it was like the last thing, like I would never call myself that. And it's just interesting that you, that the way you said that about the oregano too. So, and then this other teacher this year, she's like, Jackie, you are the least compassionate person. I was like talking about giving ourselves grace. And she's like, you are the least compassionate person like for yourself. Like you're so right. hard on yourself all the time. I can't imagine you giving yourself any grace. And I was like, really? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he's anyway to other people than ourselves, right? Yeah. So so surprising. Like it just always shocks me when I think about that. So, what do people experience when they work with these elixirs? Like, what? Could you? I think you sent me some of that joy juice, right? Isn't that what that bottle is? Like, what? What does that do? Or how? How does it work? And like, I think it says on the one bottle that you do it like five times a day. Yeah, that's the spray. Yep. So no matter what form it's in, we put it in a lot of different forms. The traditional form is you take it internally. It doesn't have a scent. It's literally just like alcohol and water. We add honey to make it yummy. Um, and then we also, you know, make mist and anointing oils and blend it with aromatherapy. Just because when I first started, I think people thought I was crazy when I first started my business. And it was easier for me at the time, like 10 years ago to just say like, Oh, you know, if they couldn't understand or if they thought it was too woo woo or out there that flowers have energy and could be healing. Um, then I would just sort of lean into the aromatherapy component and say like, isn't this a yummy smelling mist and it's so uplifting. And then I knew that people got the benefits of the part they couldn't smell you know, but they just had this beautiful sensuous experience. So we do work with aromatherapy and really it's just almost like a, another delivery system. The traditional way of taking it is internally. Either way, you want to use it like five times a day for the most impact. So what I do is I usually just take the elixir and I put it in every, you know, glass of water, coffee, tea that I have during the day. Super easy to do and remember, or you can put it directly in the mouth. Um, and usually people will start to notice a difference in how they feel some kind of shift in their state of mind within three to five days. The, the joy juice one works a little faster. If you use that five times today, for example, or you just like load up all your beverages or your water bottle with it or miss yourself five times, you'll notice that by the end of the day, you're laughing more and making other people laugh. Uh, it depends on the flowers, right? So Every flower is for something different. Some flowers make us sleep better at night. Some help us feel calmer and more peaceful and more uh, adaptable to stress. Some flowers help us attract love. Some give us more energy. Uh, there are flowers that enhance our, our ability to be creative and get things done. It's literally limitless. I mean, there are over 40,000 flowering species of plants on this planet. Any sort of issue or pattern or problem or feeling or something that you would want to solve or feel more of or feel less of, guaranteed there's a flower for it. And um, to answer your question more specifically, 
usually when people first start taking flower essences, they just notice sort of an overall enhanced well-being. You know, they feel like, wow, I'm sleeping better. I feel so much happier. I feel less irritable. You know, that kind of edginess to life is softened. Things that used to bug me, I don't know, they don't bother me anymore. Uh, so there's just sort of this overall feeling more at ease and feeling good. And then when taken over time, since you're more stabilized, the flower essences have this ability to show you things about yourself, either that you couldn't see, that were in blind spots, um, in a way to accelerate your personal growth and really help you. It's like they're a catalyst to help you discover sides of yourself that you haven't seen before. This is just fascinating. I could listen to you talk for hours and hours. <laughs> um, so then do people like maybe they have a lot of flowers growing in their garden? Like would they get the same benefits just from working and being in their garden? 100%. Uh, if, you know, if every person on this planet was gardening, we probably wouldn't even need flower essences. Uh, the only thing is that it takes you know, a certain amount of time. Like if you're in your garden hours a day, you're, you probably, you know, I mean, you can take flower essences and they would do all sorts of different kinds of things for you. But yes, in essence, it is. It's like you're being balanced every time you go into your garden, like being in the dirt, being around the plants, they're harmonizing all of the energies of your body. So yeah, essentially, they, it, the benefits are similar. Now, if you, say, wanted to experience something from a flower that doesn't grow in your region, well, then you could explore. Like, if you're in Montana, but you found out that, uh, you know, bird of paradise or some other tropical flower had a benefit that you really wanted. Like, for example, bird of paradise is for people who are super creative uh, can come up with lots of ideas, but also hard to shut it off at night. And so it can be really helpful for just quieting the mind and helping people sleep better. Maybe you don't grow or can't find bird of paradise, or maybe it won't grow in your in your zones, right? But but you want the benefit of that particular flower. Well, then you could work with that flower essence um, to sort of add to the mix of what you have in your own garden. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, wasn't there a thing about calla lilies somewhere I was reading? Or you were talking about the secret detura too, was the other one um, that oh, I was just listening yeah. to, which just sounds so powerful. And um, it's and maybe it might have stuck out to me more because I have a set of um, tarot cards that are like, you know, flower cards, and that's one of the cards in there. So it always kind of, it was interesting to learn more about it. Yeah, I mean, I can run through just like a, a, a few quick flowers cool. that folks in different areas might have in their gardens and what, you know, just a quick shot of what they're for. If any of your listeners grow peonies, peonies are for abundance. It's like dissolving scarcity or lack mentality. Um, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't, you know, if I excel or have success, then someone else will take away from them. It totally abolishes that pattern and just allows us to have more abundance in our lives. Uh, lilac is very good for flexibility and adaptability to changes. 
trumpet vine. Now this is going to be a different, I'm trying to pick flowers that could be in different parts of the, the country. If you have a trumpet vine flower, it's for enhancing your communication, being able to communicate more clearly and smoothly. If you like to grow daisies, uh, daisies are typically about freedom and fun and play and letting your inner child play more. If you love jasmine, uh, like night blooming jasmine is usually about being able to fall in love with yourself and your own appearance versus like kind of nitpicking on yourself um, or, you know, something about your appearance that you don't like. It helps you appreciate your own beauty. Can you think of any other flowers that are really common that we'd want to look at? Well, pomegranate. I mean, you probably have listeners from all over the place and they're all just growing different things in their own areas, right? Sure. I guess I was thinking like in gardens, a lot of the big companion plants are like either marigolds or um, calendulas or nasturtiums. Nasturtium. Yeah, nasturtium I am very familiar with. It's good for spontaneity. It's like it's kind of like, you know how the flower is kind of spicy? It's like that. It's like spicing up your life. If, you know, when you're feeling, we've all had those days where we're just like, oh, same old thing today. Like we just suddenly feel like everything feels like a routine and we, we just want to like go on vacation or take a trip or drive down a different road. Like we find that we drive the same road the whole, you know, every day. So it really invites spontaneity and the joy of discovery. So this is what's going through my mind, of course, as you're saying this, like, so if I'm somebody and I want my partner or my spouse to be more spontaneous, like if I sprinkle those flowers in the salad or something that they're (laughs) going to eat, is that going to help? I mean, for sure. Yeah. To make it even more powerful, you could get a nasturtium flower essence and spike the salad dressing and spike their water and their iced tea then it would have a sort of more compounded exponential effect. <laughs> okay, listeners, I, just remember, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Are you sure you really want a spontaneous spouse? <laughs> okay, okay, well, let me share something crazy with you, Jackie. Yeah. Um, okay, so also what I noticed early on from working with people is, Yes, it's okay to spike your spouse's drink. I feel like if it's done, you know, with a good heart and you really just want what's best for for everyone, like absolutely go for it. They don't need to know. Um, I don't have any bad conscience about that. But one thing I will say is I discovered early on that when we take flower essences ourselves, the people that are close to us around us also feel the difference and start to shift. And I think that's what my flower essence teacher was alluding to. 20 years ago when he said to me that if, you know, 3% of the world's population would create this ripple effect of positivity. So what I saw over the years of working with people one-on-one, it was crazy. Like I would have women come in and and they would start taking flower essences for self-love, right? They would say like, oh, my relationship's on the rocks or like, I'm so irritated by my husband or like, he's always busy and he never pays attention to me. And they would start taking flower essences for self-love. And then they'd come back a month later and be like, my husband bought me a dozen roses. He hasn't done that in years. So it, it is very curious that, you know, what comes first, the, the egg or the chicken? It's like, 
we start noticing or feeling different. They feel the difference in us. They respond differently. And also just energetically, it rubs off on them. Like I've had women tell me, I've taken flower essences for five years and I have no doubt that my partner has changed because just they alone have taken flower essences. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. It reminds me of this book called The Land of the Blue Flower in some ways. I don't know if you've ever seen that book, but it's kind of about this king who um, rules over this really poor, dreary kingdom. And he's he makes this commandment that everybody has to grow a blue flower. And the people, <laughs> it's amazing how the village changes where they're like sharing their tips and this is what's going here and this is what's going there. And just, it's the most beautiful story. Um, wow. And it totally makes sense. And especially like, I am definitely a person who believes in a world of abundance, um, but our society as a whole does not, you know, it's like, oh, don't take my piece of the pie. There's not enough pie. I've got to protect my pie. You know, we live in a world of scarcity, but um, I, I think that nothing could be better than if we could all move towards a world of abundance and believing in um, being able to share these things. And I think that's a huge part of it is that loving yourself. I mean, I was just listening to a podcast the other day where the person was talking about if you're not giving your own, you know, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not doing enough of your own self-care, you're not going to have anything to go around. And so maybe that person that was taking those essences, her husband gave her flowers because she found that she was she was actually doing more for him because she was feeling better about herself and, and having more self-love and didn't even realize that she was putting out more kind things towards her husband or maybe didn't, didn't even realize, maybe she had been also negative to her husband and didn't even realize it. I don't. <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, you're right. It creates this kind of snowball effect where it's just like more good piled on top of more good, attracting more good and just good all around. <laughs> it's like an abundance of goodness. Yeah, I I totally believe in those kind of things. Um, yeah, it's like when you, when you smile at somebody uh, or somebody smiles at you unexpectedly and it just like changes your whole mood and changes your whole day. And then everything from that point on is changed, right? Because that one person smiled at you. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. Like some things about confidence, just like, I'm, I'm amazed at sometimes like how all of a sudden I could have energy where I can like bounce off the walls and I think I'm never going to eat again. I'm so happy. And like, I have no desire to eat food and just, and, and how that moment can just change everything when just, yeah, one little thing comes along. And on the flip side, you know, how easily you can get depressed and sad when just like one little thing. So it's nice that we, to be able to have something in a bottle for when you're having some of those sad you know, those moments, if you could be able to drink some joy or, um, tell me about the truth teller. Cause I'm like, so curious about that. And then when my stepdaughter called me, she's like, I'm ordering the truth teller elixir right now. And I was like, <laughs> well, what does it do? But she just texted me. And so I never really got to find out like, what is it about this? What, what does that do? Yeah. So it's got, uh, four different flowers in there for helping us communicate better, but it, it, it also has this effect of, um, <clears throat> it has the Grevelia flower in there, which is for, you know, sometimes we don't say things because we're afraid of hurting people's feelings or, 
um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest where we just beat around the bush way too much. Um, and it could, it would have probably help if we were just a little more direct. And this Grevelia flower, it is amazing. Every time I take it, I notice myself saying things that I wouldn't normally say. And in my brain, right, like as it leaves my mouth, my brain is going, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. Whoa, that's unusual. And then I'm looking at the other person and I'm like, but they seem okay. So it, it has this capacity to kind of help us be more, more powerful communicators, more direct, be able to speak our truth, um, but not really be attached to how it's going to land. And what else is in there? Royal poinciana. It's like a flame of the forest. It grows on a tree. And that's also for helping us ask for what we want. Sometimes it's just hard for us as humans to ask for what we want. You know, I think we probably, even just like a simple example, like what if you're at a restaurant and somebody brings you the wrong food or something isn't to your liking? You have those people who are very good at saying, hey, this isn't actually what I wanted it to be. And then you know, you have other people who are like, oh gosh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just, you know, go with this. So that's a, a kind of a silly example. Or worse than that, the big example I always think about is this commercial they have on um, the public television or whatever about the woman. And she's like, I want my burger made with lettuce and, you know, no tomato and this. And she's got like 6,000 things about her burger that she wants. But then she goes to her uh -huh. doctor and the doctor's like, how are you been feeling? And she's like, fine. <laughs> well, what? Nope. Okay. And like, is totally afraid to say anything to her doctor, um, you know, where it really counts. And so this would be, you know, and good for situations like that, or just like, I have certainly been in plenty of positions where I have not stood up for myself anywhere near enough. And then later on down the road, been like, oh, I should have explained that better. Or I should have like, you know, told the person, I'm frequently told that I principals have no idea what I'm talking about. And I think they think one thing and they are thinking something completely different and just, you know, there's that lack of communication yeah. that if I just would have stood up and explained, well, this is why I'm doing this and this is what my yeah. thinking is, I realize their thinking is completely. I think communication is a hard thing for us. Um, I think, I mean, it's definitely, I can speak from personal experience. It's probably the pattern that has been the most challenging for me over the years, you know, something that started as I was a kid and I, I have worked on it my entire life in my business. I've had to fire people and that is, that kind of thing is really hard or, you know, to, to, to say things to inspire people to work better or clearer. It's hard to do that, I think. And uh, our culture becomes increasingly more sort of like politically correct. We feel clipped. We feel like we're not able to express ourselves um, you know, there isn't as much diversity of, of understanding. I remember when I was a kid, when I was 16, I was an exchange student in Germany. And it was so interesting because people there at the time, I don't know if it's still that way in Germany, but they just love to argue and debate. So like, for example, they would have these like long drawn out debates about, you know, stuff in their culture or society or politics or you know and people would just kind of like go on and on and on and then they'd like you know cheers and drink their beer together like it was never a situation where people were like oh I can't talk to you anymore because of who you voted for right and I think we now live in a culture where people are really afraid to speak up and they're just afraid to say what they feel is is right for them 
And so I think that remedies or flowers that help us just like be able to express ourselves can be really helpful, not necessarily for, you know, going out and like, uh, offending people, but it's really about being able to express ourselves clearly, ask for what we want and, and be okay with ourselves and whatever it is that we're asking for that we're communicating. Katie, I feel like you've been dropping tons of golden seeds and people are learning all sorts of things that they probably had no idea that flowers could do for us and flowers that are growing in our gardens right now. And maybe they're getting some ideas for flowers they want to be growing later, or they're going to be like going through their garden tonight and be like, wow, that flower makes me feel this way. I had no idea. And that's another thing I love about your book is you're always like, there's no pressure. Trust me, it's going to work. If you feel that way, then that's the right thing that you're supposed to be feeling and getting from that flower. And just, you know, <laughs> I, I love that part about it. And just, uh, there's so many things. I mean, the pictures are beautiful. The descriptions that I love any kind of book where it's got like spaces for me to write in because I'm a natural journalist and I just love those kind of things. And um, and again, I just feel like I've learned a ton. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't before we get to like getting to the root of things or, um, okay. Let's so, get to the root of things. Do you have a favorite recipe you like to cook or eat from the garden? Um, I have a few. I put some in the book that are really specifically delicious. Like, like you said, the nasturtiums, I love putting edible flowers and salads. That's like such an easy way to kind of dress things up and spice things up. Uh, I have a recipe for goat cheese filled squash blossoms, um, which is just totally divine. And then lavender shortbread cookies. Oh, my mom makes those. Does she really? Yeah. And it's this isn't a flower, but rosemary is really good too. Who would have thought that rosemary is so good in desserts, like cookies? But it's quite lovely. And then I also say, you know what? Um, this isn't a food recipe, but it's sort of like a you could call it like a ritual or a recipe for happiness. One thing you can do with the flowers in your garden, if you, there are certain flowers that you're just absolutely in love with is as long as you know that they're not super duper poisonous, like some of the Brugmansia de Turas, you know, the really super poisonous flowers, as long as they're just uh, safe and gentle flowers, you can cut them um, and soak them in water. So like a glass bowl, soak them in water in the sunlight for like an hour or two or three, you know, maybe you're out there working in your garden and you just have them soaking in the water. That water essentially is like a flower essence or what the beginning of what a flower essence would be. Usually when we bottle it up, it goes through several dilutions. So there aren't any more, you know, plant parts in the water, but that's sort of like the beginning of an essence or the mother essence as we call it. And you can then take that water and dump it over your head to get more of the benefits if you're wearing a bathing suit, or you can dump it into a bath. Uh, and it's a really, um, it's a really wonderful way to mark transitions or to make a wish or a prayer. Or if there's something that you want to shift or change, you can go into your garden and say like, okay, which flower they're going to help me do that. And you'd be surprised at how different you feel after that. 
I totally, I love that. That sounds like awesome. Um, because I spend a lot of time in my garden in the evenings and I'm kind of, um, you know, I spend so much time on my computer this year. I, this summer I happen to be working for a podcaster. And then this week I picked up another job, um, helping transcribe podcasts besides for a different person. So my eyes are just like burning by the time I go to the garden, um, in the evening and just, uh, that just sounds so lovely to like have something soaking there and then to either, you know, bathe in it or to just pour it over my, <laughs> I could totally see me yeah. doing that just right in my garden. Last night I came in soaking wet and had to change my jeans because I don't know what happened, but I just got, I think I was like weeding near where the sprinkler was going off. And just like at one point I was like, oh my gosh, my pants are soaked. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know how you're always telling little embarrassing stories about your life, which I just love. They're just so, um, <laughs> it just, it gives, like to me, that's a huge part of podcasting. I don't know. Maybe it's because this woman left me like this comment the other day. She's like, this is the worst gardening show ever. I'm, you know, it's just these two people having a conversation. I haven't learned anything. And so I, I, I just like, um, I feel like that's the best thing about podcasting is it is a conversation between two people. I mean, I always, my mom was like, it's like getting to sit in the, you know, a fly on the wall somewhere. Like I, I don't know. Um, anyway, tell us about if it's supposed to be the lightning round, a favorite, like a reading material or a book or a magazine or a blog or something that you could recommend to listeners where they could learn more about this. Oh, well, since you're talking about podcasting, I just feel like I'm going to bring up the little flower lounge podcast here. Um, it's not all about flowers that has a lot to do with like wellness and entrepreneurial ventures and, and that type of thing. But the, the underlying theme is personal growth and living your life on the edge and sort of pushing yourself to the next level and pushing yourself to think outside the box and just be open to new ideas. So uh the flower lunch podcast check it out yeah i think you guys will love it i've just been really enjoying it uh did you want to share any business advice since you've spent the last 10 years and a lot of my listeners are um you know i call them green future growers because some of them don't even have gardens but they have like garden businesses either they sell seeds or they um you know sell um I don't know, or they are educators or they have like composting businesses or they just do different things besides gardening. And so I think they're always interested in green jobs and how they can, you know, care for our planet at the same time as, you know, trying to make a living. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan. One of the, the top pieces of advice that I always tell people is that you figure it out as you go. And that's really you know, there's nothing that you have to know ahead of time. You know, so many people will say, well, I want to start a business, but I don't, I don't know how. And the truth is that none of us know how or knew how, or, you know, there's, there are things I've been in business for 20 years and there are things that I, I'm still figuring out on a daily basis. So um, don't let thinking you have to know more or be smarter in some area, stop you from starting your own business. It, having a business is the business of figuring everything out, right? Most people who have MBAs come out and they, they are still as clueless as the rest of us <laughs> in a good way, right? It's fresh. Um, so 
um, I would say well, like, and in today's days, business advice, you know, what you knew about a business even five years ago might not be true tomorrow. I mean, things are shifting so much that you kind of have to just leap right in and try things. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, depending on what phase you're at in your business in the beginning, it's a lot about just like throwing things on the wall and seeing what sticks. It's about, you know, really thinking outside the box, thinking of as many different ways that you can to try it. And then there is that kind of second step of tracking and measuring, hmm, like what actually really worked? And then when you see what it is that worked, doing more of that and doing more of that and, you know, just keep refining the process and looking for new ways to reach people. And really, I think that passion and stubborn determination gets you really far. I had a conversation with um, the woman who runs our, we have a sister company called Way of Chocolate and, and she makes organic dark chocolate and puts flower essences and herbs and such into it. And she was saying like, you know, we were kind of commenting to each other about all the different things over the last 20 years, like, oh man, had we known how much work it was really going to be, you know, like we just had no idea. <laughs> but so, you know, just like, I don't, I do not come from a business background. I did not know anything about business. It took me a while to even figure out accounting. Um, you know, like I went in clueless and stubborn determination and just being really passionate about what you do and believing in yourself and knowing that you'll figure out, you know, how to put one foot in front of the other. It takes you really far. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I was like to the point where like you couldn't even get me to walk into the business building. Like when I first went to college because I was an art major, I just thought business was the root of all evil, like capitalism and just like, and then I don't know what happened in 2012. I took this leadership class and like, I have been obsessed with business podcasts and learning everything I can about business ever since then. And I'm kind of like a natural entrepreneur. Like I've been trying to start my own business, not even really kind of realizing it um, since the early nineties, just uh, I started out with like a little hemp business trying to like the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. I'm going to teach myself how to sew and then I'm going to sell things out of hemp, like not knowing how to sew at all. Like, and yeah, I'm going to figure out how to sew. And who knew? I mean, I eventually, I can make you a flannel shirt or a shirt with the seams. Like it looks like it came from Walmart or Jay-Z Benders or whatever, <laughs> like that I would eventually get to that point, but still did not. Yeah. There is so much to learn in the business world and um, jumping right in, learning how to pivot. But I think the interesting thing, I was just listening to um, Greg Kunis, this, who's the guy I'm working for, on a podcast saying many of the same things like you know what what made him successful with his podcast he has now was like throwing all these things against the wall seeing what stuck and that was one of the things that stuck that he was surprised with but the other thing he said was that when the things fall off the wall was um really looking at why did that fall off the wall and you know what could i do to make it you know why did it fail what what should I have done or what could I do and then you know throwing it back up there in another way and trying another thing just um I'm so glad you persisted because I uh I I see that our world is going to be a better place thanks to all the things that you're putting out into it and just um really love your work and everything I've been learning from you and will keep learning from you and um and all your passion 
Thank you. And you know, I'm going to say one more thing um, as an encouragement to folks who want to start their own businesses. It is truly a growth of, per it's, it's a truly a path of personal growth. Um, it, you know, in terms of leadership, what you were saying, business teaches you about yourself more than anything. It's like, if I look at what is the largest challenge in my business, it always links back to me. Like the business can only be as good as me. So it's like really this practice that teaches self-awareness. Um, and the better I become as a person, the more things get ironed out in business. And I think that was the thing that surprised me the most. I can relate to, you know, thinking, oh man, you know, business is a root of all evils and it's, you know, corporate. Ah. And then when, you, when I got into it myself was like, oh, wow, this is actually more akin to something like a spiritual path because business shows me where all of my weaknesses are as well as my potential for greatness. Aww. You're so eloquent and just uh, have so much knowledge to share. So are we ready for my final question? Yeah. Okay. So Katie, if there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity organization you're passionate about or a project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? You know, I, I'm going to answer this in maybe a little bit different way. And that is because there's so many things that I could get behind and support and do support. I really think at this point, it boils down to self-awareness and that the greatest planetary change comes from within. I truly, truly believe that one of the most powerful ways we can create peace on this planet and preservation is changing ourselves from the inside out. I, I personally believe that each one of us is like a microcosm of the macro. And so it's easy for me to point things out and say, oh, you know, like this company is doing this and it's, it's wrong, or we need to do more of this. And in the end, I think where I find the most, um, impact and satisfaction and something that's actually in my control, right? You know, because I, I feel like <clears throat> sometimes we get overwhelmed. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so many things. Man, you know, if you start going down the rabbit hole, it's like, we're in a mess. <laughs> and, and actually, as one person, we can make a tremendous impact. And if we just look within, you know, that change, changing from the inside out, when we become more kind, more loving, accepting, understanding, patient, uh, clear, sharp, innovative, that lasts for a lifetime and it impacts all the people that we come in contact with. And the effects, you know, this ripple effect has a huge impact. I'm going to share one more study with you. There's a 10-year longitudinal study coming out of France. I love to talk about this because it's so inspiring. They showed that if your friend's friend's friend becomes wildly happy, it has more of a beneficial effect on you than if someone put $5,000 cash in your pocket. This is someone that you don't even know. So conversely, if you become wildly happy, it has more of a beneficial effect on your friend's friend's friend than if someone put $5,000 cash in their pocket. 
and it has an even more powerful effect they found in a closer geographical area. So like, for example, you could be, you know, grooving out on the music, dancing naked in your bedroom. No one else knows, but you're just like overflowing with joy. And the fella who lives a block down the street who just retired and is now depressed and wondering what he's going to do with the rest of his life and he's mowing the lawn suddenly gets hit by this wave of joy that's coming from you. Uh, I feel like there are so many ways that we can impact the world with our own state of mind that's just, it's right here in every moment and it's something that we have command and control over. And I think that's going to be the fastest way to bring about change. You know, His Holiness the Dalai Lama always says world peace begins with inner peace. And I'm a firm believer of that. And in, on the same token, I just want to congratulate and appreciate and honor all of your listeners for gardening. Because on that same token, I feel like I believe you having your own garden, that's enhancing the earth right? It's, it's that kind of change from within, changing the world from the inside out that is tremendously impactful. And just because it isn't necessarily something that we can see or quantify doesn't mean that it isn't wildly powerful. Oh, that was so perfect. Kitty, you are just one of the most eloquent and intelligent knowledgeable i love that you have these scientific studies and just um listeners we didn't even touch a lot of what katie's sharing and what she talks about in the book and just how much she's learned and i just really encourage you to you know read her book and go to her website listen to the podcast and just learn um more about this because how great is that if you can smile more and you can feel better inside that you will be having that impact. And I, I would not, it does not surprise me at all. I mean, maybe a little, but um, that would have that much of an impact that far out. Like I could see how you being happier would make your friends or your family happier, but that your friend's friend's friend becomes happier is, that's really cool. And uh, go ahead and tell listeners, how do they find the Flower Lounge podcast and your website and order your amazing elixirs and um sprays and just different things like i just love that one you sent me like the um lemon balm what is it it's just so good and i just i use that five times a day all the time so i wasn't sure i'm also super excited to know that like i just put those tinctures in my water bottle because one of my things i've been doing this summer is i hooked up with this nutritionist and she's like i have to have 32 ounces of water down by 2 p.m and then i'm supposed to have the other 32 ounces down by 8 p.m so i'm drinking a ton more water so it's cool that i can just put it in there yes and i've noticed that when i put flower essences in water i have much more of a desire to drink it it's really interesting oh cool like a helps you stay hydrated yeah so you can find uh the whole world of flower magic at lotus way on our website it's lotus like the flower and then wei.com on all the social media channels, podcast is pretty much in every place you can find podcasts under the Flower Lounge. And I, I invite people uh, to come and discover this wild and woolly world of flowers that can uh, act as mirrors into our own hearts. Oh, thanks, Katie. Okay, you have a wonderful day.
Thanks, Jackie. It was really fun. You asked great, great questions and um, you have a, such a, don't let that one comment drag you down. You have such a personable, um, like, joyous, down to earth. You're great at interviewing. You're really good at it. So Thank keep, you. keep, keep going. Well, the cool part is that um, my all-time ultimate dream is to be a children's book biographer. And I feel like, you know, doing all these interviews is just practice for um, that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm going to shut the recorder off. And What's the best gardening advice you've ever received or best farming advice you've ever received? Always keep very, very meticulous records. Um, you may think you're going to remember how long it took something to germinate or how quickly something flowered and fruited or how much you harvested. And you'll say, yeah, I remember this. This is totally something that I'm going to remember in, you know, four to six months. Um, and that's never the case. Um, you're not going to remember what day it was. You're not going to remember how much. A lot of things are going to fall by the way. You'll forget a thing or two. And keeping really meticulous records is a, is a good way um, to plan for the next season. Uh, like I was talking about earlier, um, it all comes down to good planning. Um, it's really, really helped. It's really, really helpful to keep track of what works and what doesn't. Um, like I could not tell you, especially once it gets like super busy in the middle of the season, I couldn't tell you what I was doing on July 15th of last season if I didn't have a notebook to look back to. That's from my interview number 222 with Gabe Siciliano, another rockstar millennial who says his notes are crucial. Don't you want to get a journal? Hey, listeners. Do you have a place to keep track of everything that's going right in your garden and everything that's not quite going the way you thought it was going to and the things that you don't want to forget next February and March? Because I guarantee you, you're going to think, I am never going to forget this. I have done this 20 times this year and I'm going to make sure I do it right next year. And next March, you're going to be like, oh yeah, what was that again? By the time you're done harvesting everything and your season is over, there's nothing more important you can do than be taking notes now. Which seeds worked the best? Which areas do you want to change? Where do you want to put your irrigation? Where do you need to get row cover? Like all those little notes that are going through your mind. Like even if you just write in your journal once a week, just go sit in your garden and be like, oh yeah, this or that, or you could keep it with you. But anyway, my point is, hey, do you want to help the Green Organic Gardener podcast? Because I made a beautiful journal. It's got a butterfly on a lilac that I took a picture of so you could have a piece of your garden, our garden, in your garden, a place to keep your notes. It's got, uh, I think, 135 um, pages that are either blank or lined because those are my favorite kind of journals because I like to have the lines to write and the blank pages. And so you can support the show, but most of all, you can have good records. My guests have said frequently that's their favorite tool, most valuable tool, good records, um, so, and it would support the show. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.